This episode is brought to you by The Hartford, a leading provider of employee benefits and income protection products that is dedicated to standing behind U.S. workers to help them pursue their goals and get through tough times. For more information about The Hartford, visit thehartford.com slash employee benefits. We've also got a link in our show notes. I was in bed at one o'clock in the morning and this thought came to me like, what the hell am I doing? Like, why am I making videos of my kids? Why am I exposing my children on the internet? Um, how are you? Most people answer that question with fine or good. But obviously it's not always fine. And it's usually not even that good. <laughs> this is a podcast that asks people to be honest about their pain to just be honest about how they really feel, about the hard parts of life. And guess what? It's complicated. I am an online person, and I've been one for a long time. I am of the generation where my first Facebook account was attached to my college email. I blogged my entire 20s. Huge parts of my 20s were laid out. The minutia of my life was laid out on Tumblr. Whenever a new social media platform emerged, emerges because this has been true since the early 2000s, I've made an account and just thrown myself in. My audience was nobody, friends and family, and a handful of strangers. This was just my online journal. Aaron's treatment of his brain tumor was documented on Instagram, which was new in 2011. I was writing updates about his health on Tumblr in 2012, 2013. And when we had a baby together in early 2013, it felt natural to share my baby on those platforms as well. At first, most of the people who saw those photos were friends and family. Instagram was small. There were no influencers yet. The Tumblr was set to private. But then Aaron died. Our obituary for him went viral. I wrote a book. I started this podcast. And all of a sudden, my social media pages weren't just for friends and family and people that I had met once at a party in 2006. They were a platform. They were a way to connect with readers and listeners. And there were a lot more people watching. Thousands than tens of thousands, and now over a hundred thousand. And the people in this community, as wonderful and thoughtful as the vast majority of you are, are still strangers. I do know some of you now. Grace, Allendorf, Dan Baldwin, Kathleen Downs, hello. Carly, uh, many Carlys, (laughs) but most of you I don't know. And none of you know my kid. And sometimes strangers would recognize him when we were at the grocery store or Target or heading into a pediatrician. These were adults who knew that he was a little boy who had just lost his dad, 
whose mom was grieving a version of life that wouldn't happen. And as he got older, it started to freak him out that so many people knew this. So a couple years ago, I stopped sharing him and the siblings he had acquired over the years online. I stopped sharing them. I gave them all some privacy. The decision to stop sharing about my kids didn't happen overnight. There was some denial. There was some bargaining. There were some hard conversations. There was an inciting incident where my second grader Googled himself and was horrified to learn that, in his words, I had told everybody that his dad died. He was horrified about toddler photos of himself that were on the internet because it turns out to a kid, being a former baby is embarrassing. I wrote an entire chapter about this in my book, Bad Vibes Only. Not only about that period in my life, but what led to it and how I feel about it now. And as easy as it is, to judge what I put online and judge myself I did, I could also justify it. Parents are all over the internet sharing details about their kids. Milestones their infant is hitting, pictures from the first day of school, videos from a dance recital where everyone's facing the wrong way, no one's on beat, no offense kids, but I think you know. For many parents that I know, social media is just a way to share with friends and family. But there's a whole other side of the internet, one that I found myself on the edges of, where parents have a lot more followers than they do friends and family. And a lot of the content on those pages involves their kids. These influencers... And if you don't know what that word means, I guess a simple version is to say people paid to promote products on their social media posts have introduced their kids to hundreds of thousands, even millions of strangers online. They're sometimes called Sharon's, oversharing parents. And when we follow them, we learn more about their kid than kids we probably know in real life. We know their kids' names and their feelings. We came here a few weeks ago and it wasn't open and the disappointment on Olsen's face was so sad. But we-, we see where they play during the day. Okay, we just got to this park. Already, y'all ready? Their daily routines. Starting off super strong with Gemma throwing a bit because Ellery looked at her and it made her leg hurt. We, got her we see moments that are usually private. He's so happy to see you. The kids are even in these sponsored posts, selling stuff. So, what are you wearing? Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. She's wearing this blue dress with nude leggings, crocheted shoes, and some bows. The thing about this kind of content is that the kids are one of the reasons people watch these videos. People scrolling like to see kids say funny things or enjoy watching how other families live. I like that stuff. I've seen really sweet or funny or moving videos because kids are funny and sweet and moving. 
The followers of these families feel like they know these people. The kids become characters in these little stories that we're following in our phones, but we don't actually know these people. One day last year, I was scrolling TikTok, just letting the gods of the algorithm serve me whatever they decided I would want that day, which is usually videos of disgusting swimming pools turning from glorified ponds into sparkling oases. But I came across a video that stopped me from swiping. First, I want to say thank you for the support on this. Um, You know, there's so many different factors and reasons on why we stopped doing family TikToks. I'll just name a few of them now. Mental health of the kids. Kids should be kids. They shouldn't be, you know, employees. They shouldn't be making you money. They should be kids. When I clicked on this guy's profile, I saw that he had 3.2 million followers, which meant he was a legit influencer. And if he was sharing his kids, a lot of people were seeing them. But as someone else who once shared a lot of my kids online and later changed my mind, I really wanted to hear his story. So I clicked the profile and I sent him a DM. My name is Grant Kambalanov. I'm a 13-year Navy veteran who was medically retired. And I guess I'm a former family vlogger, former family TikToker. One of my final assignments while I was in the Navy was I was something called their national social media trainer. So I traveled the country and I was training sailors and different commands, how to use social media, how to recruit, how to do all these things using social media, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, Snapchat, you know, I I pretty much had a knowledge of all of them. Uh, And TikTok started to emerge at that time. And that was one of the platforms that I had to kind of really dig into and see if that's something that we could use. So it really just started for like a work thing. And then I made a video with my daughter and it went viral. And then I like, I had my daughter with me and I was like, okay, now like repeat after me, say, I will never have a boyfriend. And as soon as I said boyfriend, she screamed out, no. And you know, like that video went super viral and got millions of views and you could see it like traveling across the globe. Like first went viral in the United States. Then it went viral in Italy, then Spain, then Russia, because like the languages and the comments would change. And then I did another video with uh, my son a few days later, which also got millions of views. And it was kind of like this time machine video to where like I walked into a room and my son walked out and same thing. It just, you know, millions of views and likes and comments and it started to spread across the globe. And that's when it kind of like hooked us like, hey, this is, this is what we should be doing. Grant starts making a lot of videos, and many of them feature his kids. His kids were three and five when he started posting on TikTok, that perfect age where kids say hilarious bananas things that honestly seem made up, but they're real, and they're not self-conscious about it. The videos Grant posted weren't embarrassing. His kids weren't having a meltdown or running around naked or anything like that. They were family-friendly videos, like his daughter talking about Crocs. If you ate Crocin in the socken, you eat, you ain't rockin'. Or both of his kids 
reacting to someone dressed as the Grinch busting into their living room. We were doing three to five videos a day for probably two to three years. I would say it would be a pretty 50-50 split between some of them being completely scripted and practice to some of them just being like regular family stuff. Regular family stuff like talking to his daughter about her school picture where she's holding her hands in front of her face and each finger has a ring on it. So you had picture day yesterday? Yeah. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Can I ask you something? What's going on here? This month to show my rings off. You wanted to show your rings off? With the deluxe package. This. Grant was having fun making these videos, and his kids seemed to be having fun too. And with each video of the kids dancing with their mom or talking to the camera, more and more people followed Grant's account. When you see the likes coming and you see the comments and you see the money and people are recognizing you, you know, it is an addiction. It's raising your serotonin levels and it's putting you in a better mood. And then on the flip side, when it's not happening and your videos are not getting the likes that they should, you're, you're in a horrible mood because you're not getting that morale boost. Look, most of parenting, most of adulthood is really mundane. Grant works his marketing job, unloads the dishwasher, folds laundry, takes his kids to school, all the other things that make him like any other parent. But TikTok makes him feel special. After about six months of posting, Grant gets a message from a company asking if he wants to get paid to promote a water bottle. Our first brand deal, we were like, oh, wow, we got a brand deal. It was $150 for 10 videos, which for us then was like, oh, like, look at you guys. Like, you're making money already. You're so small. And then they started to increase. And then, like, a brand would come in and paid us $13,000 for a 30-second video. And then another brand came in and paid us $10,000. Then another brand. And I'm like, we're literally making my entire paycheck in 30 seconds. Influencer marketing has blown up in the last few years. As people spend more and more time on social media following celebrities or other people with huge followings, brands want in on that action. They want to monetize those eyeballs. So people like Grant, or sometimes me, who have a lot of people following them, get paid to promote products, companies, vacations, Since a lot of Grant's content featured his kids and his life as a dad, the brands obviously wanted that for their ads as well. That's kind of like where it grabs you. It's like, you know, you're going from working this nine to five job to money just like pouring in. And I think that's like one of the big hooks that are out there. And compared to others, we're just like micro influencers on TikTok because three million followers on TikTok is like, a hundred on Instagram, you know, but there's other people out there that are making 50, 75, $100,000 per 30 seconds. Grant and his wife are also stunned at the kind of money they were making from TikTok. It was enough money that they realized they needed a plan. And one thing they decided early on was that this, this TikTok thing, this would never be their main income, no matter how much they made. They would still pay their household bills, 
with the salaries from their jobs. We did recognize that our kids were the ones working for this. So what we would do is we would split it into three. 30% would go immediately to the kids, um, into their savings accounts. 30% would go towards taxes because it was kind of like contract jobs. And then the other 30% would just go for like experiences for them. So whether it's Disney or buying them things or something like that. So at least we have that. Like our, our kids are, you know, they have a little bit of a safety net. For a while, that safety net made Grant feel really good about this little side job. He was giving his kids a cushion for the future, a step up, which is a very hard thing to do as a millennial parent in this economy. But more brand deals meant they had to keep making content. If they got more followers, they'd be paid more. To get more followers, you have to post regularly and consistently. He couldn't take a break from posting. He had to keep feeding the machine to stay relevant and keep making money. And eventually, that came at a cost. If you are looking for a podcast that is fascinating, a podcast that is somehow intriguing and comforting at the same time, the kind of show that you can listen to with your kids and it will give you all something to talk about, you're going to want to listen to Search Engine. Every episode, host PJ Vote sets out to answer a question, a question that is not easily searchable. And what he finds is surprising, This is a podcast that is a staple in my rotation. And if you even vaguely like this show, you're going to love Search Engine. Search Engine with PJ Vote, an Odyssey podcast, is available now on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Grant and his family are making significant money from posting on TikTok, and financially it feels like a dream. He and his wife are able to take the kids on vacations and put money away for their future. But when you're living some of your life online, it's easy to forget all of these people who follow you and these interactions you have don't just stay in your phone. Aside from the bots, Those usernames are connected to real people who also live real lives out in the world. And they're seeing Grant and his kids in real life. It would be everywhere, malls, in the middle of the street, outside, at a park, just everywhere. Now we live in North Florida and, you know, it still kind of happens to where like someone be like, oh, is that... Liam and Eliana, or are you Liam and Eliana's dad, or you're Liam and Eliana's mom. And like they ask questions like, oh, can we see the kids? And I'm sure it's totally harmless. You know, it's like a 15 year old girl. But if they're asking, you know, there's some 57 year old man at home eating Cheetos off of his stomach that also wants to see it. We 
would get a babysitter and we would always like screen the babysitters before they would come in and we would have them meet the kids while we were around and we would first see if they noticed us and then we would also then give them the heads up like listen these kids are out there so we would really appreciate if you keep where we live private if you do not take any pictures or videos of the kids or anything like that um, just for our own privacy That might sound hypocritical to some of you, that the babysitter needs to prioritize the kids' privacy, but mom and dad can post three to five videos a day. It might feel easy to judge him, but I also empathize with Grant. I can say now that some part of my brain knew that I was exposing my son without his consent, but for a couple years, I just treated it like a really tiny voice in the very back of my mind. A little part of me felt like I might just be sharing too much, but then hundreds of people would justify my choice by liking the post. And I was also lonely. My husband had died, and the internet stepped in to be the witness for the raising of my son. When you don't have someone on the couch next to you to say, look how funny he is pretending to call our friend Kara on the phone, then posting a video on the internet will do. There was times where people would come and attack us on TikTok and be like, you know, you're oversharing and you're this and you're that. And, you know, my wife and I would go in and defend it. Like, listen, this is what they want. And we talk to them. And when you're in it, you try to defend it as much as possible. And you're doing the right thing. And like, this is what every kid wants. Like every kid wants to be famous. Every kid wants to be an influencer. Every kid wants to be TikTok famous right now, which is like, for the most part, true. They like they do because this is like the hot thing. It's like we never forced them to do something or they never did anything that like we could tell that they weren't having fun. But then after a while, you realize that they're only having fun because you're having fun and they only want to do it because you want to do it. You know, like these are your kids and they look up to you and they think that like this is the right thing to do. But as we were diving like deeper and deeper into this, I noticed that they started to focus so much on what are the comments? How many likes did videos get? How many views did videos get? Why did, you know, this video get more views with Liam in it and this video did not with Eliana in it and vice versa. And then they started to read and they started reading comments themselves. And, you know, whenever we would go and do like experiences, whether it's go to Disney or go like you know, whatever, indoor skydiving or to the zoo, it was less about what's going on in the outside world and more of where's the camera, where do I look, like to make this content. And once we started to see that, both my wife and I were like, like, what are we doing? This isn't how we want our kids to grow up. We don't want them to be influenced by some 57-year-old man in a basement eating Cheetos off of his chest you know, while watching our videos. This is the second time Grant has brought up this Cheeto Man image, so now I'm really thinking about it. He's essentially describing the Chicken Man from Toy Story 2 as the person watching videos of people's kids, which is sufficiently weird when I spend too much time there. But it brings up a very important part of this conversation about putting our kids online. While a lot of people scrolling TikTok might be casually interested, some people are, I'm sorry to say it, sickos. When you have hundreds of thousands or millions of followers 
you can never know everyone watching. That was one of the things I wasn't considering when I was posting my kids online, the possible danger that could come with their face and names and personal information being available through a quick Google search. And this is what Grant was starting to think about in October 2022. He was becoming more aware of how exposed his kids were, and it wasn't sitting well with him. Hi, everyone. I have a podcast suggestion for you. If you like the sound of two women talking, which is my favorite sound, it's called listening to the Forever 35 podcast. Am I still 35? No, but I was when the show started six years ago. There are six years of episodes. Hosts and best friends Kate Spencer and Dory Shafrir talk to listeners about everything. It's a real comfort listen. Find Forever 35 wherever you listen to this podcast. I was in bed at one o'clock in the morning and this thought came to me like, what the hell am I doing? Like, why am I making videos of my kids? Why am I exposing my children on the internet? Why am I treating them like employees and not like my children? Why am I taking time away from them by putting, you know, a camera in their face constantly? And it was just like all these thoughts started rushing through my mind and two o'clock in the morning, I'm like, we're done. The next morning, Grant tells his wife about this light bulb moment. She didn't even fight it. She was like, okay, we're done. You know, no, no more kids on social media. It's, you know, it's totally fine. The decision is made. They're taking the kids off TikTok. Grant and his wife will keep the account, but pivot the content. And now, Grant has to try to put the toothpaste back in the tube. At that point, I just spent days, hours and hours and hours and hours every single day just hiding videos and deleting videos. And you know that that's only going to go so far because the internet is forever. And there's people that you know have saved videos and have them downloaded onto their phone, but there's at least a little bit of damage control. The internet is forever is, I believe, the don't drink and drive slogan of this generation. People tried to warn us when we were in college. They tried to warn us when we started our first jobs. We didn't listen. And even though it's true, the internet is forever, Grant is still trying his best to fight it. If you still like search our handles, videos will still show up that like people have saved and reposted. And I'm like commenting on the videos like, hey, like, can you please take this down? He makes videos asking his followers to help him. After a few weeks of removing old videos, Grant makes the video I found. 
explaining exactly why he took his kids off social media. Honestly, it was like, it was positive. You know, everyone was like, we completely agree. This is 100% what you should be doing. This is, you know, what all parents should be doing. And I wasn't like, I wasn't expecting that at all. Like people were saying like, yes, we're going to miss your kids, but we 100% support this. Over a span of two weeks, we lost a little over 200,000 followers across all platforms. And again, it, it gets to the point to where like, I don't care, you know, like the follower count, the likes and comments, like that stuff just, like I said, overnight just completely shifted and it doesn't matter. Grant and his wife were running their TikTok account like a business. So when they decided to pull the kids out of videos, they changed their product. And they did this right before Thanksgiving and Christmas. During the holidays, that's when you see a massive influx of brand deals. So all of these brands are coming to like toy companies and, you know, just all these companies are coming to you and say, hey, can you advertise our product and we'll pay you this much? And usually our revenue around the holidays is about six figures. But when we came to this decision, I had to go to all the brands that we were contracted with. And I'm like, hey, this is what happened. Uh, I do not want to show the kids and we would still love to work with you guys. And 99% of them said no. 99% of them said, we want to see the kids. And if not, you're out of the contract. And we had to get lawyers involved to break some of the contracts. So we didn't end up having to pay them. And it's like, one of them was a blanket company. What do you need to see a kid for, for a blanket company? Like, I don't understand. But yeah, a lot of them fell off and I was like, that's totally fine. You know, but brands will still approach us. Um, We had one just recently come to us and it was about a $20,000 deal and it was for a kid's like learning platform. And I told him the same thing. I was like, listen, I don't know if you've seen our new account, but this is the type of content that we have now. And they were very supportive. They're like, that's totally fine. We don't need to see the kids. We don't need to see their faces. We don't need to see anything. You know, we just want you to talk about it. So we do see revenue still coming in. Uh, Again, that's not, for us to survive, all of that is still going to go towards the kids and into their safety net. Babe, we got to do this trend really quick. Come here. Two, three. Hit our cups. It's a boomerang. Didn't work. Do it again. Do it again. One, two. No, babe. Too hard. One more time. One more time. One more time. Babe, you're hitting it too hard. It's a boomerang. So now it's just my wife and I, really. It's just me messing with my wife or her messing with me or some video games and Honestly, it takes the weight off of your shoulders for multiple reasons. Like one, I could show who I truly am. You know, if I slip up and say a curse word in a video, you know, I said, um, if like we're gaming or whatever it is, like I don't have the constant pressure of like, oh, you're about to get canceled because you're running a family channel and you're showing kids. It turns out this decision was good for everybody. So we had this routine, like before bed every night, we would watch like five minutes of TikToks. And again, we monitored, we would control what they saw and what they didn't see. And we noticed that like, they would sometimes complain about their sleep or they would have nightmares or whatever it is. And they would come into our room at like three o'clock in the morning. And then once we stopped, again, it was like a light switch went off. Like they're sleeping perfectly. They're sleeping through the night. They're not waking up with nightmares. 
obviously every now and then they'll come in, but like just normal kid stuff. Um, but yeah, I would say like the sleep was the biggest one that got a lot better. Social media just like completely changed and there's things in our feeds that now we don't even follow them and it's just showing up because these algorithms think that that's what we want to see. Our daughter came up to us and was like, Oh, like, I think I'm fat. I'm like, where are you getting that from? And she's like, Oh, well, I was watching YouTube kids and you know, this girl was at the gym and I looked and it's like this seven year old girl doing sit-ups at the gym and she's talking about like the rolls in her stomach. And I'm like, stop watching that shit. This year, the Surgeon General of the United States published a report called Social Media and Youth Mental Health. A study mentioned in the report found that adolescents who spend more than three hours a day on social media are twice as likely to experience symptoms of depression and anxiety. It also said that the more time a teenager spends on social media, the lower their self-esteem is and the worse their body image gets. The report lays out safety measures that tech companies could implement and gives parents some ideas on how to keep their kids safe, which I guess is helpful, but parents playing defense can feel like a David and Goliath situation because social media is constantly changing and new platforms emerge all the time and these algorithms are hard to predict and the capabilities of this technology seem to only get closer and closer to a dystopian novel. And if you don't want your kid to have social media, guess what? All their friends do. And now you're the mean mom. Well, guess what? I love being the mean mom. It's just a lot to try to protect your kid from. And that is something that Grant has been thinking a lot about lately. He's been looking at the advances with AI and thinking about how it could be used to trick children. We had to sit them down and talk about safe words. Like, hey, you might get a phone call that sounds just like me. And I say, Eliana, this is your dad. You need to come outside. I'm here to pick you up from camp or whatever. And I'm like, that could not be me. That could be someone using my voice. And I'm like, if you ever think that something might be off or we're not picking you up at the correct time or you know, you're getting a phone call at a different time. Ask for that safe word, ask for that password, ask for that phrase to know that it's us. Because it's just, it's one of those scary things that, you know, before it was don't get in the creepy white van of someone, you know, offering you candy and puppies. Now it's like, you have to get them ready to be protected from other things. And he's sharing this with his followers as well. I want you guys to take a look at this. It is absolutely disgusting. It is repulsive. It is a huge reason on why we decided to pull our kids from social media. Quebec man sentenced to prison for creating AI-generated synthetic child. In the article, you'll see that he had over 445,000 computer files of this type of content. That's just one person. Imagine all the other people around the world that are doing this, and you don't have to have a massive following. As soon as you put something out there on social media and your account is public and you allow everyone to come in and see, you are putting your children at risk for something like this to happen. Grant knows that he made the right decision for his kids. But he also knows that he made the wrong decision for his kids. 
I would say it's 10% relief, 90% guilt. I mean, this is stuff that like chews me up and like kills me at night. I'm like, how could we have been so stupid to do this for so long? Like to where like, you know, I've reached out to mental health counselors and I've, you know, got on medication to kind of like walk me through it. And I got to the point to where like, yes, like we fucked up and that's something that we're going to have to work through, you know, the rest of the kids' lives, but it's better that we all work through it together with them than us continuing to do this just for like views and comments. I lost those years with my kids. Rather than looking at them, I was looking into a camera or into a phone screen and I was taking away my experience with the kids and then the kids' experiences with me just to share it with someone else. Do we still take pictures and videos? Absolutely. But not to make content, just like to make memories and it's a lot less and they just enjoy everything around them a lot more. And, you know, they have their own thoughts and they have their own feelings about things and they're reacting to things differently um, than when we were just making content because they started to get used to like, this is what we have to do, you know, to get a positive, you know, impact on social. Once I got out of it and I saw like the mistakes that we were making, you know, it, it changed for me to where what I would like to do now is kind of just like educate others. And that's where my serotonin comes in now is educating others on like the mistake that they are making by doing this. And, you know, I've reached out to other influencers that we were friends with and I told them like, Hey, we're done. We're not doing this anymore. Let me tell you why we're done. You might want to consider stopping to hear all of the reasons. And some were like, yeah, you know, we'll think about it. And others were just like get extremely defensive and like, you don't know what you're talking about. My kid loves to do this. And I'm like, okay, you know, that's not something that you notice when you're actually like in the thick of it. These videos are great now. What about when they get older? What about 10 years from now, 15 years from now, when they're applying for jobs? It's not the same that it was a while ago. Like now this digital footprint follows them, you know, and it's just like the constant of looking for a camera or them looking at us to like tell them what to say or whatever it was like. They weren't developing the way that they should have been just because they constantly had that influence of the Internet. After months of posting about this, Grant started to find more people on TikTok who agree with him. Parents have not come to me, but kids have a lot of kids in comments and private messages. I received one message on Instagram and it's like, hey, like this is a burner account. I can't tell you who I am, but our family has millions of subscribers across every single platform there is. And we absolutely hate it. And every day that we wake up, there's cameras put in our faces and we don't even think that we're their kids anymore. We're just their employees and please continue to speak about this and please continue to raise awareness. And as those like messages and as those comments were coming in, I was like, you know, it just like reinforced our decision of like, this is what we should do. Grant's videos reach a lot of people like me who 
agree with him and what he did, and they probably also reach a lot of people who don't agree with him, who might think he's being too extreme or focusing on the worst-case scenario. And Grant says he totally understands why they feel that way, why they do what they do, and that he hopes they'll reconsider. If you're just like this average person that nobody knows, nobody follows, nobody recognizes you on the street, you're just a regular human working a nine-to-five job, and then you find this fame and it pulls you in, it's no different than a drug. And once you try it, and once you get a taste of it, you want more, and you're addicted to it, and you put these blinders on, you don't see anything around you, and it's like, this is everything that you know, you've wanted, and you're now providing a life for your kids and your family that maybe you didn't have. You need to know where the limit is, and you need to know that you can get out, and you can stop, and it literally keeps me up at night almost every single night that we did this for so long. And we didn't even do a fraction of what some of these other people are doing. I mean, I definitely feel like moving forward, like there will be classes and there will be sessions on how to pull someone out of that social media addiction. The kids watch YouTube and, you know, they see TikTok and they see other kids on TV and they think that's what we want to do. Like, We want to be famous and we want to be popular and we want all these other kids to recognize us and notice us. But then like, once you have it, it's kind of like, do I actually want this? And the big difference between kids on TV, like in Hollywood and in shows and kids on social media, social media is completely unregulated. If I want to put a camera in my child's face for 20 hours out of the day and make them do whatever I tell them to do, I can do that. In Hollywood, at least there's some sort of regulations. A lot of these parents, they have no limitations. There's no, you know, I can only record my kid for three hours a day. They really do whatever they want. And once you get out and you're like on the outside looking in, you see how like miserable these kids actually are on camera. And we have a drinking age. We have a smoking age. This is just the new thing, you know, drinking and smoking hurts your body physically. Social media is hurting your body mentally and there's no difference. Thank you so much to Grant for sharing his story with us. You can follow him, his wife, and not their kids on TikTok at Family. That's H-E-Y-E-L-L-I-A-M family. We'll link to that in the show description. We are not done talking about sharenting, influencing, kids online, that entire Venn diagram. This week's bonus episode on TTFA Premium features an interview with Sarah Adams, who's a leader in this space.
And now that is a piece of their digital footprint that if, God forbid, a bully comes across later in life and says, well, yeah, well, even your dad didn't want you. Look, look what your, your mom said it. Like, my heart can't take some of those thoughts because they're going to deal with the consequences of our actions when it comes to all the things we chose to overshare without their permission, without their consent. Sarah is an advocate against sharing children online and is one of the people that Grant connected with when he stopped posting his kids online. If this is a topic you're interested in or something you're thinking about for your own family, our interview with Sarah might help you. We also have an interview in that bonus episode with a 19-year-old who is advocating for policy changes around putting kids online. You can find that in the Apple Podcast app or over on Patreon, which also has our entire back catalog of episodes organized by topic, which is something you've been asking for for forever, and is kind of like a little clubhouse for you to connect with us and with other listeners. But wait, there's more. Uh, We also have a special episode of The Terrible Reading Club where friend of the pod, Kate Kennedy from Be There in Five, and myself talk through some recent books about influencers and sharing culture. That is over on Terrible Reading Club, and we'll also link to that in our show description. Terrible Thanks for Asking is a production of Feelings & Co., an independent podcast company, purveyor feelings and podcasts. We also produce the Terrible Reading Club, and it's going to be okay. Go to feelingsand.co to see all of our shows and shop our merch and connect with us. You can subscribe to our Substack to stay updated on everything from our team. That's where we make tour announcements, share more about the episodes. Again, if you want to join a little clubhouse, you want to be over on Patreon, which is also linked in our show notes, patreon.com slash TTFA podcast, I believe is the URL. You know, I'm sure you, you're, if you Google it, you can find it. Um, and if all you want is bonus episodes, ad-free episodes, nothing extra, then you're going to want to be in Apple Plus. The team here at Feelings & Co. is me, Nora McInerney, Marcel Malikibu, Jordan Turgeon, Megan Palmer, Claire McInerney. Our supporting producers are Bethany Nickerson and Kim Morris. Supporting producers are people who support us at the $100 a month level. That's bananas. It's wonderful. Thank you. We could not make this show without our listeners and without our supporters. So thank you, Bethany and Kim, for being such great producers, supporting producers. We appreciate you. Um, I recorded this. I turned off the air conditioning. However, it's still going. So we've got some home issues, as we always do in this house. And uh, all right, I'll talk to you guys later.